How's it going, FCS football fans? Welcome to the Football Game Plan FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasagan here, along with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, it's Halloween week. You up to, up to some mischief? No, my mischief was yesterday when I had to wear a slick rick costume on the Fantasy <laughs> Sports Network Lineup Lock Live show, so you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and see that picture. Trust me, folks, it's worth it. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is so clean. Folks, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and follow my man Emery at FBallGamePlan on Twitter. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com slash FCS Kickoff, youtube.com slash footballgameplan, where you have all your football game plan network videos. You got everything on there. Whip around, you've got interviews, whatever you want to find. And don't forget, we're on iTunes. Search Football Game Plan Podcast, subscribe, give us that five-star rating. We need some love. We need some love on the, on, on the iTunes at this we point. We really do. I mean, I'm not saying I'm lonely, but I am. <laughs> um, so, before we get into this show, folks, I mean, we've had a great week of upsets. We've had some big news out of the big sky. The MEAC is just getting better and better. We've had some huge, huge upsets all over the place. But, unfortunately, uh, we have to talk about something real quick uh, that happened earlier this week. Um, freshman defensive lineman uh, Nick Ackes from uh, Norfolk State was killed in a shooting on Friday night, uh, the day before their homecoming game. Uh, terrible tragedy. A uh, young man that was uh, loved by his teammates and his coaching staff had so much potential um, at that school. So we just want to send our thoughts and prayers to his family, uh, A.D. Morty Miller, Coach Scott, and the entire Norfolk State University family. Uh, very difficult time. Yeah, that's unfortunate, man, because stuff like that can't impact the football team and the game. And we saw them go out there and lose the following day to Savannah State. You know, and it's just tough because you don't know what's the mindset of a team and how close you are to certain players. And when you yeah. lose someone that you're close to, your mind is not right the next day. Exactly. And very, very tough. Uh, hopefully, and again, a team that has so much uh, potential going forward, hopefully they can, uh, you know, make the best out of a very, very uh, emotional, obviously difficult situation. But, um Hopefully they can come back from this and be stronger. Let's get back to the gridiron and let's talk about what was going on this week on the gridiron. Some big scores coming up. Weber State 41-27 over Montana. Yeah, that was a great game, man, because Montana is making a slight jump in the polls and they look like they're ready to make that grizzly charge up the rankings like we normally see. But Weber State did a great job knocking them off. Absolutely. Stony Brook. Give them some love stats. Come on, give them up in that poll. 27-24 over Richmond. Dominant performance once again on both sides of the line of scrimmage, so you have to like Stony Brook's chances moving forward. Southern, big game, and this was a wild one against Arkansas Pine Bluff, 47-40 to Southern. Yeah, they got five touchdown passes from Austin Howard, who's a tremendous quarterback. Glad to see his, he's hitting his stride right now. Three overtimes was needed to decide a wild one. The pioneer Jacksonville defeats Campbell 54-48. Campbell is slowly on the slide, aren't slipping they? Slipping a little bit. They're Back-to-back slipping. losses now for the Camels. Exactly. That's not what we were expected to see him when they were riding high early in the year. Magic City Classic never never disappoints. Last year, it was a wild back-and-forth contest. Defense will struggle this time, but Alabama State back-to-back wins under their new interim coach, 21-16 over A&M. And that's a huge loss for A&M that's trying to keep pace in that SWAC East division uh, with the leading team in that division, Alcorn State. And one more game, the game you were broadcasting actually this weekend, Florida A&M 
34-31 over Morgan State. A really entertaining game. Very entertaining game. It was going back and forth. We saw the backup quarterback come in. Uh, Deshaun Harris came in for an injured Elijah Staley of Morgan State. He picked up right where Staley was, had left off. He played well. But Florida and I, I swear, both teams, the records may not show, but these are going to be two good teams next year in the Wild Miak. Absolutely. And again, we talked about this is Halloween week. It's mischief night, you know, coming up in this week around the Monday. So we got Halloween Tuesday. And some teams are starting to get freaked out because we had we're gonna call this Shake Up Saturday this past week. A lot of teams I mean, can we say they blew it? I mean, can, can we just say that? Because it happened all over the place last week. You have Eastern Illinois losing to UT Martin. Samford goes down. Delaware loses to Towson. That's not supposed to happen. Hampton loses to Bethune-Cookman. And, and, and then the Ivy League just goes absolutely haywire. What 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 happened? I know there's a full moon coming up soon, but it wasn't Saturday, was it? <laughs> well, uh, you would think, especially when, when you look at Eastern Illinois and UT Martin. Now, we kind of knew Eastern Illinois was on shaky ground a little bit. Yeah, yeah They didn't pass the eye test, so to speak. Yeah, they they're, they're kind of like that team that's like, Okay, you're the top of your division in the NFL, but it's the AFC South. And exactly you're like, right. Eh, I want to love you, but no. It's, it's something about that it. team that just didn't. And we said this about Wofford. You know, yeah. something about Wofford that just didn't smell right, uh, and and they end up losing. Sanford lost, which is huge because we just thought that they were one of those teams that were making a significant jump in the rankings yeah. and, and charging up, heading to the playoffs. Delaware was a big loss to Towson. Towson's defense and special teams will always give them a shot, and they really w- were able to put the clamps on the Blue Hens. The, the Hampton game was interesting because Hampton was in serious contention to to probably be an outside shot and get to the Celebration Bowl. Yeah. And then they lose that game, a conference game. It's huge. Now, Bethune-Cookman, granted, tough defense, but you, you have to beat Bethune-Cookman if you're Hampton. Bethune-Cookman, underrated squad, though, this year. I mean, they've, they've given a lot of teams trouble. And, I mean, it's, the future's got to be looking up for BC. Well, this is the first forward. time they close, down, close out a, a, a team. Yeah. You know, they've usually let the, the game slip away late. And, I, like I said on many other shows, that I thought Bethune was the top of the MEAC coming into the season. Yeah. And that was – so I'm not surprised that they're winning. I'm surprised that they beat a Hampton team with so much to lose, so much on the line. Maybe Hampton was looking forward ahead, or looking ahead to this week and probably got caught slipping, just like Columbia. Now, granted, Yale is a really good football team, so yeah. I'm not surprised. They're in the same boat Columbia yeah. is in when they played a lot of freshmen. Uh, Dartmouth losing to Harvard Here was comes huge. Harvard. Here comes Harvard. And, you, and here's the crazy thing. Look who's at one loss. It's Cornell. <laughs> you have Yale, Columbia, who we've been talking about the last few weeks, has been really, really good teams. All of a sudden, Cornell has snuck around the outside. They've gone through the alleyway. They're right there at 3-1. and one. I don't know how. and it, it's, <laughs> it's so funny because I, I, I was able to catch a little bit of the replay of the Cornell-Princeton game. And Cornell's offensive approach, the subbing in quarterbacks every other play, yeah. was giving Princeton problems. And Princeton – was looking like the class of the Ivy League at what point in the season. Yeah. And now they are reeling, which is crazy. It's just been a wild year in college football. Especially in the Ivy League. I mean, a conference that obviously we don't know how strong this conference is because they're never in the playoffs. Hint. But, I mean, if you've got Cornell at 3-1, and one, you know you've got a wild year in your own conference right now because you've got them ahead of Princeton and Harvard and Dartmouth. Dartmouth was number two in the conference last week. They're now sixth because of win-loss and – head-to-head matchups so the Ivy League could go anywhere 
Another conference that's wide open, though, is the Big Sky. And we got to talk about this because we, we've got a, a segment coming up that you won't want to miss, folks, about our picks for the bubble for the FCS playoff. And I was doing my research, and I'm looking at the Big Sky, and I'm going through what the teams have left, who they've won, you know, who they've won against, who they've lost against. There are four legitimate teams that can win this conference. And you can make a case for any one of them that they either deserve it or can do it. And Northern Arizona is for real, but so is Southern Utah and Weber. And that's the thing. How real are these teams? I'll ask you, and I'm looking at the standings here, and you have, what, eight teams that are either at four and four or above. Yeah. But also are at, let's say UC Davis is at two and three. They're the only one that's at four and four that has a losing record in the big sky. So I'm going to ask you simply, do you believe – or don't you believe in this particular team? Do you believe in UC Davis? UC Davis. I'm going to say no. I don't think so. Sacramento State. Two weeks ago, yes. Now, no. It's funny because if you were to ask me two weeks ago about UC Davis, I would have told you yeah, too. Really? Yeah, because UC Davis was playing some really good ball. Okay. Uh, Montana. Montana is on the line for me. Montana's on the line for me. I'm going to give them a slight yes. Here's a good one. Montana State. They won two straight. They have, but see, I'm going to give them a no. Because their defense is, I mean, there's no really great defense to get there, but they also don't have the offense. So Montana State, slightly below Montana for me. And Eastern Washington, do you believe in them? This is where it gets interesting. Exactly. Because for me, I, at this point, I have Eastern Washington in the playoff. Mm-hmm. I think they make it. If they lose, they've got a big game this week against Weber State. If they lose... I think they need to win out and get help to make the playoff, which is shocking to talk, to think about when you think about this Eagles team and how good they've been the last five years. They've put themselves in a position. I mean, they're five and three. They lose to Weaver. They're at five and four, and four and two in the conference. You need to win out, and their last two games are North Dakota and Portland State. So the odds are pretty good that they win those last two games. If they don't beat Weaver. I think they're in trouble. Yeah, they face two of the worst defenses in North Dakota and Portland State. And we know North Dakota's terrible year is an anomaly. Yes. So we, we still don't know if they will show up and beat you because North Dakota won last week in a surprising manner. And that game is at North Dakota. Exactly. So, you know, the Laurel Center. So we don't know where North Dakota will be at that point when they face Eastern Washington. And we talk about some of the worst defenses in the big sky, you have to include the Eagles in that conversation. Yeah, and I, I mean, I looked through it, and again, Northern Arizona, they've had some very good wins, 5-0 and in conference play, but they got two tough road games left against the Grizz, and then the last game of the year is at Southern Utah. And they got Montana State smack dab in the middle. I think that last game against Southern Utah decides the conference, because I think the Thunderbirds have looked really, really strong. And they've got a much easier schedule coming in. To me, that's the surprise of the conference because oh, absolutely. no one expected, and, and granted, that you know every team expects to win the conference, but outside of that particular team, no one expected Southern Utah to be this good. No. And they have won four straight games. They're getting great play from Patrick Tyler, their quarterback. Um, and it's just been impressive to see a team just jump into conference play and really take yep. control. So I would say Southern Utah and Northern Arizona, for all that matter, have been the surprise of the conference. We are normally seeing Weber State was good last year. Yeah. Eastern Washington was good last year, but you had some questions because they lost all those guys. Lost uh, Cooper Cup, which Cooper is Cooper Cup. They lost Sebu, uh, Samson Ebicom, the defender. They also lost Kendrick Bourne, the other wide receiver. Um, 
And so they lost their top three wide receivers, their top pass rusher. Right. And, and uh, you know, they, they lost an offensive lineman as well. So you had questions. Montana State was another wild card. You didn't know what you were going to get from the Bobcats, but you have to now talk about them as a player in the conference. So yeah. you kind of thought Weber and Montana were, were going to be there and Eastern Washington was going to be there, but the other two, Northern Arizona and Southern Utah, are the biggest surprises probably in the FCS. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing I have with Southern Utah, they did lose to Weber, so right. that's obviously – you know that you know actually actually they beat Weber. Weber lost to them, but Southern Utah has a loss against Sacramento State. So if Southern Utah doesn't win out, that loss to Sacramento State might be trouble for them. I don't know. You could easily make a statement that anywhere from three to five teams from the Big Sky could get in the playoff. Yeah, you could make a serious case. I'm, I'm willing to say with the records the way they are now, and granted, you still have some games left, like three or four games left. Yeah, and, and it'll shake itself out, but. I can see four teams from the Big Sky getting in. Absolutely, uh, easily. I mean, Northern Arizona, Southern Utah, Weber, and then I think it comes down to whether Eastern Washington can make that statement or not, and whether who again, who knows? Montana is right there; they're ranked twenty-four in last week's poll. So that was a tough loss last week, though. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that was a game they couldn't lose, and they did. <laughs> so, and again, that's where Eastern Washington is this week. You cannot lose to Weber this week. Otherwise, you got, again, four losses. I mean, the playoff committee is going to take that into account no matter who those losses are. Let's talk about another conference that's wide open. That's the MEAC. And you're thinking, how is that wide open? North A&T is dominating. They're way up in the polls. There's no way. There is a way they cannot win this conference. But the MEAC has got to be so conflicted right now because playoff, Celebration Bowl, which one do you prioritize? Well, I'll make it easy for you. Money are losing money <laughs> because it costs money to play in the playoffs in the FCS. Right. Um, and if you don't have the budget like some of these power schools have, then every game you go to the playoffs and, – and Grant, let's say if the MEAC was to get into the playoffs or, or have a representative representative in the playoffs, they probably are going to play – now, it worked out for them last year where they only had a short trip. You had North Carolina A&T playing Richmond. Right. So that's not a bad drive. No. Right? And so – in this case, you probably will have a team traveling somewhere, God knows where, maybe Texas, or maybe even go out west, you know, and play in the Big Sky program. That's so, tough travel. That's tough travel, and that's, especially when you're, you're struggling financially, you're going to lose money. So that's that case. Now, the positive side is that when you play in the bowl game, everyone eats. The team gets the money, and right. also the conference gets money. So – if you're A&T, yes, you want to go to you, – you want to do both. You want to play in the bowl game, and you also want to compete against the best. Right. Because this team, I think, is strong enough to, to, to win some games in the, oh, in the easily, playoffs. Easily. The problem is they won't get that chance because they're too strong. However, like you mentioned, there is an out if they lose, and they have a tough game always at the end of the season against North Carolina Central, in which they lost last year. Right. Which got them into the playoffs and got Central – into the celebration bowl and it worked out well because central i thought was the better team and a and t uh was i thought they were kind of just riding yeah. Tariq cohen yeah and so it worked out where the best team i thought got into the the bowl game um but this year a and t looks like the the best team but they look so good that you want to see them compete against a team outside of the conference i mean they're ranked number seven last week in the poll they're number seven like, people don't realize 
for a MIAC or a SWAC school to be ranked that highly, you must be doing something real good. Right. Real, real good. So the question is, if you're the MIAC, do you want to have that thing of, oh, we have an undefeated team going to the Celebration Bowl? Or do you want a 10-1 team, which would be their record if they lose to Central and win out, in the playoff that could make some noise? And I think they could really make some noise. If, if A&T, if they get Richmond again, they're wiping Richmond off the map. That's my thought. Yeah, because Richmond right now can't stop a nosebleed, and so <laughs> you know A and T is going would run rough shit over Richmond. But here's the thing: these are the two fly in the ointment teams in the MEAC right now. Right, Hampton and Howard. Why? Yep. Because they don't play A and T, and they both have one loss. So exactly. all it takes is one slip, and all of a sudden they're in the conversation. They're in the conversation. And what I love about Howard. Uh, A&T and Hampton is that they have offense. They can score. And here's the unique part about Hampton. Granted, they just lost to Bethune-Cookman, so it's going to be hard to make this case. But that was a team that took Monmouth to the brink yes. and probably should have won that ball game. I want to say the game went into overtime. I think it did. Yeah, I believe so. And Monmouth came away with a close one. And so Hampton is really good. Now, Hampton reminds me of A&T last year. They're a good football team, but they're not the best. Right. And this is not the best Hampton team I've seen. But this is a team that's good enough to get to a bowl game and play well and play competitive. A&T, I think, is a team that's good enough to win a playoff game, which would be the first since yeah. the first HBCU to win a playoff game since 2013 when Tennessee State beat Butler. Right. But come on, that's, you know. It's Butler. That's Butler. I mean, Pioneer. I, I, that, I love know. my Pioneer League, but. Right. Come on. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's, you know, <laughs> last San Diego. Unless it's San Diego. Bingo. Then. And then we saw, and, and then we saw a, a really good South Carolina State team lose to Furman at home right. in the playoffs. I want to say that same year. Yeah. So, and that that game went down to the brink. So, I think you have a conundrum here because Howard is good, and Howard plays Hampton the last week of the season. Bingo! And so now, so they played Hampton the last week of the season. A and T plays Central the last week of the season. Oh, chaos. Chaos, right? Chaos reigns. Chaos reigns, but I just have a, a hard time seeing. And and with the tragedy Norfolk State just went through, they lost that game right. to Savannah State, but they were in the mix too. Yeah, and Norfolk State plays A&T at home this upcoming week. They've also, I believe they've got a game against, um, yeah, they play Howard uh, two weeks from now. So they're going to be involved. So that's the, uh, They're going to be inspired. But here's the thing. Imagine if they would, wouldn't have lost savannah state mm-hmm. and they have those two games left on their schedule they had a chance to play their way into the celebration bowl yeah and that's going to be a long shot now a long long shot right now let's talk about a conference though that we might f- we finally have a team we can believe in in the patriot league and it's colgate of all teams i mean they they took charge though 40 to 3 over bucknell bucknell doesn't give up 40 points to anybody and i mean grant brenneman what a performance he had for Colgate, this team came out of nowhere this year. And here's why Colgate will always have a chance. When you look across the Patriot League, they always have the best defense. Yes. At least top two. Because Georgetown's defense is usually good. Bucknell has been solid defensively as well. But this year alone, Colgate has the best defense. They're getting great play from a freshman quarterback in Brenneman. Yep. You know, and so he's playing mistake free football. They've won three straight games. They're five and four overall, so we won't have to deal with the 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 trauma of 
a team with a losing <laughs> record getting into the playoffs because I think they'll still stay on this winning track. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Somebody will find a way, right? And, and so Colgate <laughs> has uh, – they're not Lehigh. They go about their points in a different way, though. Yeah. But they're still explosive, and I'm so glad they're taking control because they're solid on both ends of the ball. And he could have yeah. beat Richmond. They had Richmond won. Yeah, they definitely did. And here's the thing with Colgate, too. They got a bye week this week. Then they're at Lafayette. And, La- and that's the thing. Lehigh and Lafayette are still right there. They still have one loss right there with them. I mean, they're both 2-6. and six, So, I mean, what's the point? But you have to beat Lafayette, don't you? That's got to be it. You have to beat Lafayette. And Lafayette is an interesting case because – their defense, <laughs> I don't get their defense. However. But it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. Despite giving up a lot of points, they're good defensively. Offensively, right. despite moving the ball 20 to 20. They can't score. Bingo. So <laughs> They're like the Jets. Exactly. They get to the 20-yard line, they're like, huh? What's there. If you unveil Lafayette's schedule, you see a bunch of competitive losses. Yes. Right? And so at some point, those have turned to close wins. Because you can't, there's no, there's no tally for competitive losses. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at, I mean, they lost. I mean, they got blown out by Villanova, but competitive loss to Princeton, competitive loss to Harvard, competitive loss last week to uh, to Bucknell, or uh, two weeks ago to Bucknell, Monmouth, eh, close-ish game, but took Sacred Heart to a pretty good game, 38-24. They lost that one. But they lost to that. They lost to Bucknell in the worst possible way. Yeah, it was a pick six in overtime. Yeah, on the five yard line. Seahawks fans, look away. Oh, my. <laughs> look away. That's the worst way to lose. But their wins are 10-7 over Holy Cross and 14-10 against Ford. I, I don't know what to make of this team. So Be- do we really buy in, in, into, into their, what they got going on? Because they're Lafayette, I think so. Because here's, the, <laughs> like, here's the thing. like You look at their overall. I'm looking at, their, at, their, at the stands right now. Overall, they've scored 94 points in eight games. And they've allowed 234 points. In eight games, but right. only thirty of those points are in conference. But they've scored thirty-one, so it's like they, they match up real well against Patriot League. <laughs> I mean, that, so like that, that's why I think that their defense is very, very good. They got better. Uh, I, listen, I was at that Princeton game, and I saw a defense that got tired of getting pushed around by the Tigers, got off the mat the second half, and made that game respectable. And that's when you start to say, okay, this team, John Garrett has something going with this Leopards football team. So. I'm not shocked that they're competitive. I think I think they're a year away, though. I think yeah. next year they'll be real good. I mean, it's the best offense in the conference against the best defense in the conference. In, in conference play. Right. In conference play. In conference play. play. Good, good, yeah, right. Because Lafayette, against anybody else, is getting absolutely torn to shreds. But in this conference, they know what to do to shut teams down. You do know Lafayette is now beating Colgate, right? I know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> you sound saying, like you want to make it a game of entry. They're saying. I'm saying there's a chance <laughs> in two weeks. I'm saying there's a chance. Um, speaking of some big performances, though, we, there was a ton of individual performances that we have to talk about. And, I mean, they're all over the map from South Dakota State to Northern Arizona to Illinois State to Southern. What performances stood out to you this week? Well, we're just going to see right there in the Patriot League and, and Paladino, the running back. My goodness, D'Angelo Paladino. What a, what a day. Whew. <laughs> He's going to be sore this morning. 31 carries, 297 yards, and three touchdowns, 9.6 yards a carry. And the reason why this is huge is not because they play Lafayette, right? Granted, everybody will have a, their best day against Lafayette's defense. 
the the key is that this is a team that has Chase Edmonds on the mend. You know, right. one of the most prolific rushers in college football history. He might have trouble getting his job back. Well, he yeah, he's a senior, like so he's he's kind of like Cadillac, yeah, right? He's, I'm, he's I'm, I'm cruising. I'm, I'm cruising. You, you know, young bucks, you could have this one. I'm getting ready for the league, and he's going to have a nice long career. But D'Angelo Palladino, my goodness, two ninety seven, nine <laughs> yards a carry. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. I don't care, and I I love Coach Briner, Andrew Briner, uh, for him. He's a young guy. He's thirty one years old, thirty two years old as a head coach. He gets it. Yeah. Give the guy that's doing the most damage the ball constantly. Thirty one carries. If, if he got two more carries, he probably goes over four hundred yards against. Uh, and and that's why I wasn't shocked when I saw this number because yeah. I saw Lehigh give up nearly three hundred yards to uh, Carrick and Brooks. Right. Penn's running back. You know, backup running back early in the season. So, but kudos in for that performance. That was an outstanding performance. Absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Southern University. Austin Howard. What a day he had. 22 of 32, 245, but five touchdowns. I mean, again, so there are certain conferences and cert- that don't get any respect when it comes to individual players. This kid has to be given, has to get a look right now. I, I'm an Austin Howard fan, and the, the SWAT quarterback that gets a lot of pub, and, and rightfully so because he's, because he's outstanding, is Devontae Kincaid of Grambling. And it's right. funny, we get to see these two guys face off once again this year in the Bayou Classic. Inter- that's going to be interesting. Another entertaining. It's always a, a, a it's always a classic. Ah. Yeah, pun intended. Ah, pun. <laughs> so I, I do I do think Howard is a, a really good quarterback, and yeah. the NFL will knock him because of his height, which is stupid. He's five eleven, two oh eight. Size is not a skill. If you're good enough, you're big enough, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're the CFL, you're looking at him like, hey, he fits the the mold. We we yeah. don't mind shorter quarterbacks. So. I'm glad he was hurt earlier in the year, which is why Southern's record isn't what it was. Otherwise, this is a team that usually challenges Grambling in that West Division. So good to see him get off the mat. Um, what about the Jackrabbits? You had Taron Christian and Dallas Goder connecting for eight receptions, 113 yards, 14 yards of reception for but the you can't tight end. But you can't get the man a touchdown? Come on now. He tried. He threw five of them. I mean, come <laughs> on. You can't give him. But no, I, I mean, when we talked about Goddard a couple weeks ago, we were talking about tight end prospects in the NFL, he proved it. I mean, as you said, as a tight end to get eight receptions in a game, that's huge. To get over 100 yards, I mean, you're talking about a threat. That's a total threat. That's a big-time threat, man. I'll give you one more, and, you know, we're not Northeast biased out here, even though we're based in the Northeast. But Zach Dudek, the running back, the freshman running back for Yale, was a big reason why they beat Columbia. Yes. And because of his performance, he found himself firmly planted on the Jerry Rice Award list. And he plays with a great quarterback in Kurt Rawlins, sophomore. Right. Now they have a freshman quarterback that's doing well. We already knew Columbia's run game was a uh, uh, run game was going to be an issue. They can't run the ball. Right. They ran up against a team that could run the ball and did, and they won the game, and Dudak had a, a really good performance. Control the ball, control the game on the ground, and you've got the game won. I'll tell you what, though, who had the game in total control, and that was the Illinois State defense. <laughs> I mean, now Youngstown, let's, let's, let's put it in perspective here. Youngstown State, they've fallen off. They have. In a big way, to the point where I'm not even putting them in the bubble conversation because I don't think they deserve to be anywhere near the bubble conversation. That's true. But you held that team who was – I mean, top four teams in the country at the start of the year to 147 yards of total offense. We were running Illinois State off a little bit. We were. A few weeks ago. We can't do that anymore. They, they have shut us up completely. 
Here's the thing with with why shutouts are hard to come by in, in football, especially college football, because once the game is decided, you tend to go to the let, backups. They're gonna leave yeah. off a little bit. Okay, the let backups them come in and, and they don't have the same level of aggressiveness as the starters, and they're just trying to figure. Nine times out of ten, you're playing guys that hadn't gotten on the field a lot, so they're still trying to figure things out. Yeah, and you give up a touchdown or two, but to shut out this team it, with that running game. You know, yeah. it was impressive. And so credit the Illinois State defense. And it now looks like that that loss against uh, Northern Arizona was light years ago because now yeah. they look so serious once again. Do you know who the defensive coordinator is for Illinois State? No, but he's probably going to be a hot name. Well, I, I want to find out who he is and get him to record whatever he said to that defense before this game because <laughs> I'm going to use that for inspiration every morning. I oh need that to goodness. get up and just get going. Folks, again, this is the FCI's opening drive podcast. Week 10 preview presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And we're getting to that time of the year, folks. It's playoff time. And we talked about it a little bit. We've kind of teased a little bit. It's time to talk about who's on the bubble. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be some big programs that might be left out of this year's field. There could be a lot of surprises this year in the postseason. We're talking about one of the weirder years we've seen in FCS football where nothing makes sense. I mean, you know, the two things that have been constant are North Dakota State and JMU, and even those are not exactly convincing. Like, JMU has dominated a lot of games. North Dakota State, though, they've been on shaky ground. They've got games that we've talked about that they could lose coming down the stretch. But the bubble right now is so wide open, I had to do, I had an hour of research just on this segment alone trying to figure this out. Who is on your bubble right now for getting in or missing out? I'll start in the top, at the top. <coughs> of uh, the conference of in alphabetical order in the big sky. Okay. There's the, you know, I want to say the beehive state, right? Is that Montana or is Montana the beehive state? Mm, I'm not sure if that's, I may be wrong. Yeah. So let's just say Montana and Montana state. Both <laughs> of those teams I think are on the bubble. Uh, Cause you look at, no, I think the beehive state is Utah. 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 Yeah, it's right. Utah. So okay. whatever Montana is, that's where we're going to stop first. <laughs> so Montana and Montana state. Because you have a team in the Grizzlies that are five and three. Yep, they're a name program, a, a blue blood program, so to speak. They play good offense. Bob Sitt's offense is outstanding. It's fun to watch. And Montana State is a team that's, you know, kind of uh, exceeding expectations this year. Yeah. And so, but they find themselves in the mix of the, the the Big Sky Conference because they're four and two. They're four and four overall. So I think it's important for them to win out. Yeah. Montana probably can get to seven wins and still get in. So Montana has two, let's say, two wins to to work with and maybe one more loss that they can lose. Right. But Montana State, I don't think, has the uh, – can't doesn't have the luxury of losing any more games. And they have a tough game this week out of conference. They got Kennesaw. Ooh. Because, so. see, here's the thing. Because, you know, uh, Kennesaw and Mammoth are 7-1. and one. Right. And Kennesaw – right now is in the lead. But Mammoth hasn't been ranked in the stats or the coaches poll for whatever reason. I, I don't understand it. I mean, they're the team that has the out-of-conference win. They beat, a again, a team that's overachieved, and that's Hampton. They beat Hampton. They 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 are the top in the Patriot League, quite honestly. Yeah. They've beaten Bucknell. They've beaten Lehigh. They beat they, Lafayette. So they beat Holy Cross. They should get in automatically. They should they should represent the Patriot League, right? Colgate Col- gets in if they <laughs> right. if they beat Monmouth yeah. in a one game playoff. <laughs> but uh, Kennesaw for me, they're in my last four in. I did a little different. I did last four in, last four out. 
Kennesaw State is my last four in, but they have to either win the conference or get this. If they win, because this game is at Montana State, which is massive, massive. That's for massive for this program, yes. for Kennesaw's program, because yes. this is a fairly new program. So if Kennesaw wins at Montana State, they then also have a big out-of-conference win like Monmouth does. Monmouth's got Hampton. They would have Montana State. And I would argue Montana State might be the more impressive win of those two. Then it comes down to that final game of the year. At Kennesaw, Monmouth travels down to Georgia. That is a massive, massive game. I still think two teams get in from the Big South. I do too. I think Monmouth, I think, has enough to win that game just a little bit more. A little bit more moxie, I think. A little bit more seasoning, if you will. But Kennesaw, I think, if they, especially if they beat Montana State, I think they've done enough. If they don't lose this game, they put themselves in the air. See, I, I, I kind of, I, I'm halfway with you there. I, I agree. If they win this game, then it won't matter who wins the head-to-head matchup between them and Kennesaw yeah, State. I think they're in. You know, they're they're in. I think they're in with eight wins. They can't lose this game. No. If they lose this game, then that puts a lot of pressure on them against Monmouth and Monmouth has quality wins you know against Patriot League opponents but Kennesaw also has quality wins too yeah Kennesaw I mean they've beaten Alabama State obviously Alabama State before the coaching change they knocked off Liberty that's a quality win they beat Gardner-Webb of course in their own conference they beat Tennessee Tech who is you know they finally got their first win this week so they've got but they've got a couple wins though where Liberty especially Gardner-Webb they beat Presbyterian who as we've said before time and again they're always a tough team to play. We might as well just keep Presbyterian and whoever they play on the game of intrigue list. Because <laughs> they, 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 it's every game is, is that <laughs> way. But, no, I, I I can see where you're coming from. I think if Kennesaw State loses this game, they must beat Monmouth maybe. But I still think eight wins might be enough. Because, I mean, in between they've got Charleston Southern, who you can't look past in the Big South. But that's also a home game. So they got that's their last game two games too. at home. They get this win on the road against an out-of-conference opponent. I think that's enough. I think you also have to look at the CAA. There's a, a nice little invitational going on. Uh, this is a play-out game. Yeah. Richmond-Villanova. See, I don't think either team deserves to be in, period. But you see how the, the pollsters tend to view these teams under a blue-blood lens, right? Oh, oh, I know. It's like watching the SEC, and then what happens to the lower SEC teams when they go against into the bowl games early on in the bowl season? They get crushed. So, I mean, here's the thing. Richmond and Villanova are behind Maine, who are not is not ranked. They're behind Delaware, who will be dropping out of the poll because they lost to Towson this week. I don't know how that happened. But where is – how are they – like Stony Brook and Elon – I mean, St- Elon is in. I think we can – Yeah, Elon, Elon is in. Elon is in. This was a big game this past week for them, and they won that – they passed yes. that test. They're in. But how in the world are you discounting a 5-1 Stony Brook team who are 6-2 overall – how in the world are they ranked below Richmond and Villanova? Like, that makes no sense to me. It's all about a name. Like, that, it should not be about a name. It should be what you see on the field. Well, the one name you did not mention there is New Hampshire. And they have made the playoffs 13 straight years, I believe, 12 or 13 straight years. So they're 5-3 and three overall, 3-2 three in the conference. Do you put New Hampshire in over uh, a, a Stony Brook? I have New Hampshire in the playoff as one of my last four teams to make it in. Okay. I think Stony Brook is in comfortably, even though they don't get any respect, especially if they win out. I mean, they, they've got away – the rest of their schedule is relatively easy. Home games with Albany and Wagner, 
and then they're away at UMaine. So that's always that's always a tougher game. UMaine, especially away. And UMaine's having a decent year, 4-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in the conference. It may be snowing by then by the time they get up to Maine. Oh, it's definitely snowing by the time. I, I, I worked in Maine for a summer with the Sea Dogs. It was snowing then. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about snow. Uh, but, no, I, I think Stony Brook is in comfortably for me. I have UNH as one of my last four teams in. See, I don't think New Hampshire gets in this year. I think the streak gets They deserve broken. to be there more than Richmond or Villanova. They're a blue blood program, so they're going to get their blue blood bump. Yeah. Right. But I, I. But do you put the? Let's say if it came down to New Hampshire, and Kennesaw or Mammoth. If you're going with those two, again, it depends on that Kennesaw game against Montana State this week. If it's Monmouth, no. If it's Kennesaw with a loss to Montana State and not win, not win the conference, obviously. Yes, I put UNH in over them. So you, so you think Monmouth can beat UNH? I, I don't see any reason to doubt that at this point, to be honest. I agree with you. With you. So, I mean, that, that's what I'm looking at. But, again, Richmond and Nova, I mean, you're talking about this as an elimination game. They were eliminated two weeks ago as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, and I, I can hear the Twitter sphere just going absolutely Are they going to hate you this week, boy? Oh, they, you have no idea what you're talking about. Look, I, I, and I'm, I'm going to go full disclosure here. That's unnecessary. My cousin went to JMU. That shouldn't matter. Richmond, I mean, come on. You're un, – you're, if you're below 500 in conference play, you don't deserve to get in, period. Especially out of a conference like the CAA, where it is so competitive. It is so deep. Richmond and Villanova, no. Nah. Unless, unless they win out and something happens to New Hampshire or Delaware or Maine, no. Nah, they're not getting in. Shout out to the Kentucky Wildcats, by the way, too. Knocking off Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> talk about the lower t- <laughs> he's talking about the lower tier yeah. uh, SEC. And it, yeah. What, first time in... 31 years or third time or third, something weird like that yeah. that they beat in Tennessee. So, I mean, yeah. So, shout out to the Wildcats. Fair um, enough, fair enough. But I, I want to bring up another 4-4 four and four team in the Missouri Valley Conference okay. in Northern Iowa. Northern uh, Northern Iowa, it's again, it's that it's that person you want to love. Right. But they also always come back to you looking for money, and you're like, <laughs> no. Who are you falling in love with? <laughs> no. I don't want to talk about that subject. That's going to be way, that's another hour long show. But Northern, like Northern Iowa, is so confusing to me because they are the true Jekyll and Hyde team of the season. There's always that one team where you're like, wow, they're impressive, and then the next week they're like, they lost to who? Wait, what? How is this? Right. But I mean, this is a team that took a had a pretty good game against to start off the year against an Iowa State team that we now know is legit looking at a Big 12 title. <laughs> right. Amazingly, they lost to Southern Utah by 3. They lost to Western Illinois and they lost to North Dakota State, but then they turned around and beat South Dakota State, Youngstown State. I mean, what I don't know. They beat the outline of Youngstown State. Let's let's <laughs> get it like, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah. that name will be hot. That name will ring heavily Yes. In the eyes of, but that's a conference game, and we can't give if we can't give Lehigh, I'm sorry, if we can't give Lafayette credit for competitive losses, we can't give Northern Iowa credit yeah. for competitive losses. I would see for me, I they're no for me. I don't think they get in unless they can run the table. And I mean, the remaining games they got Missouri State away, they got Indiana State as their last game of the year. I mean, those are probably going to be wins. This week for them is a do or die game. They're home with South Dakota. Ooh. And you know South Dakota is angry. It's a play-in game for them. That's a play-in game. I think South Dakota is easily in, but if Northern Iowa does not beat South Dakota this week, it's I can't curtains. see it. I can't see it. 
Yeah, because top to bottom, FCS has a ton of good teams that are deservingly sh- should be in. Yeah. And we, we move on to the Northeast Conference that has a unique situation because they get the automatic bid. Yep. But you could make a case for two other teams in this conference, and one of them was the preseason favorite, and that's St. Francis. I think they're on the bubble because you got Duquesne undefeated playing great football 7-1. and one. I think they're going to probably move on yep. and win that title. But – the big game this week is probably an elimination game for St. Francis because I don't think the Northeast gets two teams in. I do think they should, but right. they play Central Connecticut State, who's on fire this year. Five straight wins. Yep. Um, wins against Penn. Right. They beat Penn, and, and they, they're winning in impressive fashion. Yep. And St. Francis is still a good team. So one of these two teams will be disappointed. and you know, So I, I would say right now, for me, St. Francis is on the bubble. They got to win this week. Yeah, and I, I think Central Connecticut State is on the bubble as well right. for me because if they win this game, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But then they got to go to Duquesne. If right. they don't beat Duquesne, which would obviously put them in the driver's seat for the conference, they're in trouble because again, that met, puts them at five, that would put them at 6 and 4 with a conference loss against a team that's probably going to win the conference. I mean, Duquesne their only loss is to South Dakota State. This team has been very very good. So the odds of them I mean, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be very competitive. If they don't beat Duquesne, I don't think they get in. And, and St. Francis has a very ugly loss against Presbyterian. That, that's yeah, the, that's, that's the loss that will probably keep them out. But Central Connecticut State has a a not-so-impressive win against Walsh. Right. So I mean, and don't forget with St. Francis, they also lost to Towson. So. so so you got two bad losses. They might be out already. But competitive losses. I mean, I can, I can, <laughs> hear, the, I can hear the. It's a competitive loss. It's a, right. It's a loss. It's if a you loss. Got, if you took the L, the L shows up. It doesn't say CL. It's not <laughs> WLCL, right? <laughs> C, CL. And then you have the we should have won, but we lost. <laughs> exactly. The WL. Right. I, I, I should have won this one. I, I want to talk to you about the, the SoCon a little bit okay. because this one. I mean, we've we've talked about Wofford. I mean, obviously, it looks like for me, they're going to win the conference. I, I think they've got it. They've got a win over Furman. They've got a win over Western Carolina. They lost to Sanford, but Sanford lost this week. So they've kind of given that away. So I think Walford gets in. Do you see any other teams from the SoCon actually getting in? Furman. And I was all in on Western Carolina this this past weekend. I was like, hey, something about the Catamounts that just I love the way this team is playing. And they go out and lay an egg, and they lose. Right. Right? But Furman and, and the Catamounts are two teams that I think – can make a case to get in, but the Paladins are red hot. Yes, they're they're yes. winning on. They're playing great offense. Their defense has gotten better. Furman would be a team I would not want to play in the playoffs. And look, you look at their losses. Their losses are to Wofford, who are probably going to win the conference. Elon, who's been tremendous, and NC State. Those are not exactly. Those are not. Those are good losses. Those are good losses. Good, not competitive losses, but, what, but good losses. What amazes me is Furman is not ranked. Uh, see in the FCS stats poll. I don't. I don't. I don't. Get now this it. is last week's stats poll. True. I mean, this week they could jump in, but even there, I don't think they're getting much love. Like That's crazy. Uh, and Western Carolina is 18th in last week's poll. How? Because Western Carolina is, is good, they're, but they're good though. Sanford is the one that's disappointing. <laughs> Sanford was the one that had a chance to make. A run yes. and get in, but they they lost. Now I don't think they make it. They don't make it. Now I don't think Sanford makes it. Uh, the Citadel doesn't make it, even though they're five and three. Mercer, I'm always a big fan of Mercer. They just they lose close games. Yeah, they can't fi- figure out how to win those close games. But they're a good competitive. They team. figure that out. They're in. They're in easily. 
So I think you have to scrub the rest of that, that list off and you look at those top three, Wofford, Furman, Western Carolina. If Western Carolina can continue to win despite losing last week, I think they knock out one of those uh, bubble teams out of the big sky that we talked about. I mean, Western Carolina, the remaining schedule, they're at the Citadel, which is never an easy game. Nope. They're home with Mercer. Never an easy never game. Never an easy game. Last game, they're at the Tar Heels of North Carolina, which they at this point they could win. I mean, North Carolina. Uh, yes, they, they, right. <laughs> that, that's, that looks like a more winnable game than the Citadel and Mercer. Furman does only has two games left on their schedule. They're home with the Citadel, and then they're at Samford. If they win those two games, I think they get in. I have Furman in, Western Carolina out. But they're both in my last four. So I think I have I have Furman getting in just barely. I have Western Carolina actually as my first team out of the playoffs. Who Wofford has left? Wofford, at this point, they've got home game with Chattanooga. We don't know what Chattanooga is going to show up. We have no idea. We have no idea. They're at VMI. Win. Win. And then they're at South Carolina. You know what? I, I don't know, man. Because I don't think that's we saw matter. the it, well, yeah, it won't matter. But it it would. Let's say they for whatever reason they lose Chattanooga, right? And they beat South Carolina. There's no way in hell they're, they're keeping Wofford out. No, no way, absolutely not. But it, it but I they're mean, not beating South Carolina. No, and but Chattanooga. That's the that's the game. That's an entry. That's a program that has kind of fallen off this year. But you know what they're capable of. You know right. what that coaching staff is capable of at Chattanooga. So that's a question mark for me. I think Austin P is another one, man. Yeah. It, that's a bubble team because normally we, we've seen multiple teams in the Ohio Valley get in. And it's usually Jacksonville State and maybe Eastern Illinois or Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Right? Normally. But this year it's a, a down year. But Austin P is 4-1 in the conference. Yes, they lost – to Jacksonville State. So that yep. could be enough to keep them out. But they're just so doggone good and a good story. But the other three losses are Cincinnati, Miami of Ohio, and UCF. Quietly. And they should have beaten Cincinnati. Right. They were competitive with a FBS-ranked UCF team last week for a half. For a half. And it was a high-scoring game. They put up 30, was it 33 points, I think? Yeah, them? 33 points. So, and the remaining schedule is at Tennessee Tech, at Eastern Kentucky, and versus Eastern Illinois. All right, so let me see how this is going to play out. They 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 should th- beat Tech. They should beat Tech. They can beat Eastern Kentucky, who's who's you know won two two straight games. Right. Eastern Illinois is the big game because Eastern Illinois is angry. Right, and that's a team that's actually good. Right. But we've seen them. They were the first ones to really expose UT Martin. True. They shut them out. True. Seven nothing. Right. And so, I think Austin P has a has a case here. If they went out and finished at seven and or eight and four, with three of those losses coming yeah. to FBS uh, opponents, you can't keep them out. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing though. I think they have to win out. They have to win out because the, again, the OVC is down. Jacksonville State is going to be that dominant force. They're in. Austin P for me, they have to win out in order to get in. I have them as one of my last four out mm-hmm. only because of what they've got left. If they can get the wins though against Eastern Kentucky and Eastern, I think Eastern Kentucky is the stumbling block. Because they're going to be looking forward to Eastern Illinois a little bit as a home game, road game to Eastern Kentucky. I mean, that's a tough that's a tough place to play. So I think Austin P last four out for me. But if they get that win against Eastern Kentucky, I get them into that bubble picture. I think they're in barely. And if they beat Eastern Illinois, they're definitely in. I can't Period. believe we're sitting here 
talking about uh, Austin P in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, late in October. There's that, that's mean, a, that's impressive. That Will Healy, coach of the year. Absolutely. I mean, there, there can't be any question now. There can't be any question, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we're running the marathon here today. Uh, we're going to be talking about our annual games of intrigue. We only have five loss winless teams now in the FCS, and we got some interesting games that we're going to preview in Week 10. We'll have all of that coming up for you again. This is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Search us on iTunes Football Game Plan Podcasts. And we will be right back after this quick break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. CSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasegan here with Emery Hunt. Whew, that was a long breakdown of the bubble. We're not even at the playoffs yet. <laughs> but at least we give the people what they want, right? I mean, we would hope so. If we're not, let us know. I mean, we want that five-star rating on iTunes. So, exactly. I mean, just, just tell us what we want. It's time to get into, and I mean, and this is perfect for Halloween week. It's our games of intrigue. We've already talked about a couple of them. Richmond, Villanova, Kennesaw State, Montana State. We're going to go past those. we got an interesting game in the Patriot League, though. Lehigh against Bucknell. Now, Lehigh, again, we talked about them. They're at 2-1. and one. Somehow, after go, starting 0-6, they're still competitive, and they have a chance to win this conference. Bucknell, I mean, this is an interesting matchup. Yeah, because Bucknell had their opportunity to to be talked about as at the top. Um, that was like two weeks ago, and they lost at they lost at right because they lost last week, and now they can play spoiler because you have a team in Lehigh that is still in it. They won't go away. No, they have the offense, so you have to really worry about this game. Do they go in overconfident and trying to you know completely blow out Bucknell and make a statement? And in the process of doing that. They allow Bucknell to stay in the game, and the Bison come up victorious. So this is an intriguing game because Bucknell is still good defensively and could give that high-flying offense of Lehigh problems. Well, it is. This is the number one total offense in the Patriot League against the number one total defense. Bucknell, nine INTs this season, and Lehigh's thrown 11. (laughs) Strength versus... Weakness. This is going to be a game that's going to be won in the secondary for me, and I do think Bucknell's got a shot. And if they do, all of a sudden we got to talk about them as a possibility because they only have two top conference losses. That would put them at two and two. Yeah, but I think they're so far away, man. That that loss to, to Colgate really. They're five and four. Yeah. If they win this game, they're five and four. Another game we're going to talk about though is in the Big Sky, and we talked about Southern Utah. 
how impressive they've been. They're hanging on North Dakota. And these teams, now if you look at the records, this should be an easy win for Southern Utah. It should be an easy win for the Thunderbirds. If you look at the stats, these teams are more evenly matched than it looks. I think they're both at 6 or 7. I think in total offense and total defense, is this closer than the records say? I would say so because we talked about this earlier that North Dakota was a playoff team last year, one of the best teams in the FCS last year. So, And they returned a lot of players. They were sophomores and juniors last year. Yep. Now they're juniors and seniors. And some of their star players are out, granted, but they won last week, and there's still a lot of talent on this roster. Southern Utah can't go into this game, can't go into the Alero Center sleepwalking. Right. Otherwise, the Fighting Hawks will come away with a win. Let's go move on to the winless teams. And we had three winless winners last week. Tennessee Tech knocks off Tennessee State. Savannah State finally gets a win. And Jackson State finally gets off the mat. They beat Mississippi Valley State. Um, that leaves us with five winless teams. We're guaranteed four next week because Portland State and Cal Poly are playing each other. Indiana State, they got Youngstown State. I mean, you never know. at this that, point, yeah. you have no idea. VMI's got East Tennessee State. No. This might be their, <laughs> this might be their only chance they have right. left, but probably not. Texas Southern, Mississippi Valley State. Are they going to lose the two winless teams in a row? You really think the coach is going to let that happen? For I think so, Devils? because that's the thing. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the key. That's the secret. That's the code, right? We figured it out. Find out who plays Valley. Because <laughs> Valley knocked off a team. Uh, surprisingly, they, they, they got a – he was like, wow, Valley won. They beat Alabama State, I believe, or somebody. Yeah, it, yeah I forget who that was. It was a couple so, weeks ago, I and think. It, right, and it was okay. And then the following week, they played Jackson State, lost. Yep. And now they play Texas Southern. So, yes, if I had to lay – well, obviously, if I had to – well, no, I, I wouldn't want to pick that one because they play each other, so you have to be right. But if I had to pick a team that was going to get off the schneid this week in an outright game, Texas Southern has a chance because they play Mississippi Valley State. See, I'm going to be a little bit more – I'm going to be a little braver than you are. I'm going to pick that game. I think Cal Poly walks over Portland State. Oh, wow. You say walks over. Okay. I say walks Sell over. Sell me on why they're going to walk over Portland State. For me, Portland State might be – I mean, VMI is bad. Portland State, from where they are, might be the worst team in FCS football for me. Over Valley. I, eh, Valley at least has a win. Uh, right, <laughs> right. It's thing hard that, to argue with that. That's like, the only thing that gives that's me a little bit. That's the only stat that matters, A right? little bit. I think Cal Poly is sick and tired as that – pro. I mean, that's a proud program, as you right. know. They are sick and tired of being called a doormat. So They were in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And they've only – like. That's the thing, and they, they've got the worst offense so far in the Big Sky. You're taking on one of the worst defenses in the Big Sky in Portland Something's got to give. Something's got to give, and I think Cal Poly is just sick and tired of being at the bottom. <laughs> I think Cal Poly wins this game. I, think, I don't think it's over by halftime. I think they wear them down enough, but by the second half, Cal Poly flies. Let's talk about our game previews for this week in Week 10. The Ivy League just gets weirder and weirder. Could it get weirder still? Yale hosting Brown? Friday night game, the Yale Bowl. I don't know. No, it's, ho- no. You know, it's Halloween week. There's it no could, way Brown get weird, man. That would be really scary, man. <laughs> that would be really scary. If Brown beats Yale, I don't know what to think anymore. Brown's not beating Yale. I, I like I like Yale in that game. Uh, JMU, they're traveling to URI now. Again, this one should be over by halftime, shouldn't it? Really? It should. <laughs> However, but. Rhode Island is tough. Uh, like I've said before, I've I've spoken with Coach Jim Fleming. And I was glad to see them get that win against Albany. They've been competitively, you know, close in all these games, right? Yes. But there's no record for competitive losses. This one will be interesting for about a quarter. And then JMU, 
I think wins. I don't think they'll. Let me get. Let me not be emotional when I say this, but I don't think they'll blow out Rhode Island. Okay. That's an honest take. I think okay. they'll beat them. It'll be a sound win, like a twenty-eight to seven. A a a solid victory, but closer than the spread. Right, closer than the spread. There you go. Uh, Pioneer League. There's actually two games I want to talk about here, real quick. Valparaiso at Jacksonville. Valpo showed up last week in a big way. Jacksonville has had a solid season. And, but the other game I really want to talk about here is the game that's going to pretty much decide the Pioneer League this year, and it's one team you would expect, San Diego. They're hosting Drake. Drake's got the only team with one loss. So if San Diego wins this game, it's over. San Diego's in. The Toreros are going to the playoff. I mean, do we see upsets coming here? Does Valpo keep their strength, and does San Diego put it away? It's tough to, to, to get a good grasp on what type of team Jacksonville is. We know they can run a football but when you count on them to win, they lose. And when you count on them to lose, they win. I don't know about this game. This would be a, a, a scary game to pick, in my opinion. But that Drake-San Diego game, that's essentially the playoff play-in game for, for them. That's it. It's Because only one, one team yes, one team is going to get in from the Pioneer. Imagine if Drake is the team representing the Pioneer instead of San Diego. That would be a So that means you're going to have a playoff without San Diego, without Jacksonville, without Butler, and without Dayton. That's unheard of. Completely unheard of. I mean, that, that – that, it's going to be a weird week in the Pioneer right. Week. Uh, let's move on to the CAA. Uh, basically, a win or you're done for the playoff picture for Delaware. They travel to Maine. A bubble game right here. The Blue Hens took a tough loss last week. And Maine is a Maine is the Rocky Marciano of <laughs> the, the CAA. That's just Maine in general. I right. haven't lived up there for a year. You can't get a Mainer to stop doing whatever they think they're going to do. <laughs> they're just going to just keep running their heads into the wall. But it, it, it's it's crazy because Maine Maine is a tough opponent. Maine yes. is like the the Maine version of Stony Brook. Yes, you know yes. if that makes sense. But I think this is a I, I kind of like Maine in this game. It, it, I think this I think Maine's got a shot at this as well. I mean Maine has been very underrated this year. I mean they're four and three, three and three in the conference though. And again, when you're talking about the CAA, if you're three and three in the conference, that's you know you're talking about Kentucky Wildcats here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth looking at. And I think if Maine wins this game, if they go undefeated the rest of the way, if they win this game, they got a chance to keep a lot of teams out the playoffs too. Yes, they could spoil a lot of teams' hopes and dreams in this one. Uh, let's move to the Missouri Valley. You talked about Northern Iowa. We talked about them probably being out. But if they win this game, they might be right back in it, and it's at at home against South Dakota. Can they pull off another upset? I mean, we've said no so many times, and they've <laughs> right. done it anyway. And I think South Dakota got caught slipping once. I don't think they get caught slipping again. No, yeah, South South Dakota, they were a little. They got to the top four, and they're like, "Yeah, baby, we're going. <laughs> right. We got to buy. We're going." Wait, what? How, how did we just what? Exactly. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, that that's a mistake. We will not let this happen again. All right, I think they they got that one loss out there. Focus. Yeah, I, I think South Dakota wins this game. I think handily. Uh, I think Northern Iowa will give them trouble for a half, but I think they they pull away late. Um, let's talk about a game in the SWAC that's could be interesting for Grambling. They're at Arkansas Pine Bluff, who again took Southern to the brink this past week. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, Grambling's offense is outstanding exactly so outstanding grambling it may get ugly for pine bluff however pine bluff has something about them that that makes it tough to to blow them out they can score right they can put points on the board i don't think they you don't want to get into a shootout with grambling i think grambling rolls in this one exactly and and let's talk about another game too though in the big sky 
UC Davis, Idaho State. This is an intriguing matchup for me. I don't, I don't know who, which one, which way is this going to go. We talk about elimination games. Yep. And if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have been all in on the Aggies, the Bengals. I think with Rob Fennessy, the the new head coach that was given that head coaching job on short notice. Yeah, um, he's done. He's, he's done, done a well. good job. He's right, done, he's well done a good with job. What he's had and what the time he's had to do it. So it also Dan Hawkins, the new head coach there at UC Davis. So keep it on these two teams for next year. So this would be a good treat for this us. Is a preview a, game. A preview game of what we'll see next year. I I just I don't trust the Bengals defense more so right. than I trust. UC Davis's ability to put points up on the board. They got a really good pro wide receiver that's a junior. So keep an eye on him for next year and Keelan Doss. Okay. So I I like UC Davis in this game. Do you think either of these teams make it to the playoffs next no. year? No. Oh, next year? Next year. I mean, I, if you would ask me about Southern Utah or Northern Arizona or one, I would have been like, nah. But so, yes, I can see one of these teams being in the playoffs. I think UC year. Davis has a shot. I think so, too, because of where they recruit. Absolutely. It's been a weird week. Springfield has had their bye week this past week, so I have no update. They're at Maine Maritime. Again, Games in Maine. Beware games Beware of in games Maine. in Maine. Although it should be a – I mean, we're in the driver's seat for the conference, but where are you going to be this weekend? Patriot League football. I got <laughs> Lafayette and Georgetown. So I got a big game this week. Okay. I mean, so big game for Lafayette. I get sure. to see Lafayette once again. I get to see Georgetown once again. I know what to expect from both teams. So what I'm looking to see is Georgetown's offense get off the mat. And I want to see Lafayette play a consistent, clean game for four quarters. And you can watch this game on Patriot League Network, uh, watchstadium.com. Uh, is at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Outstanding. Folks, thank you for listening in. Again, this has been the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. Emery, thank you as always for your knowledge, much more than me. Ah. Uh, but, folks, remember, check out FCS Stats Football for all your information, too, on all the games coming up this week. Make sure to go to that ESPN Watch app where you can get all your FCS viewing at all you want. I mean, I'm not saying the FBS might be boring this week. I'm saying it will be. Go watch some FCS football. It's a lot of fun to watch, and we're getting into crunch time right now. It's all about the playoffs. Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? We're going to talk about that a lot next week for sure as the bubble continues to burst for a lot of teams. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good one, folks.